Welcome to episode six of the SOAR podcast. Thank you for your support. If you want to continue to support this podcast, there are a few things you can do for me. Please like, subscribe, and share. And if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, I would love it if you would give me a five-star rating. And if you really feel motivated, go ahead and write a review. So welcome to SOAR, the Sisters Overcoming and Rising podcast. I'm Dr. Stephanie, your host, and I'm here to help women overcome limiting beliefs so that they can live their best lives. Sisters, come together now, come together now. It's time to help each other out, help each other out. It's time for transformation, time for healing. You've got the potential, you've got the power now. Sisters, overcoming and My special guest, Lisa Fleet, is an award-winning photographer featured in Forbes, Fearless Women magazine, and many other publications. She started off as a boudoir photographer, but soon broadened her skills to include weddings and corporate headshots. She has also been a featured host on several radio and talk shows, as well as being trusted throughout the DMV and Atlanta areas for photography needs. She is a wife and mother to Chloe, but she has found meaning by creating a support group for black women struggling with infertility and sharing her own journey with infertility over the past seven years. Welcome to SOAR, Lisa. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. I'm excited too, and I'm really excited about our topic, um, Pushing Past No, because I think a lot of us have experienced many no's that we need to push past in all different areas of our lives. Now that I have my sons listening to the podcast and, and they've really gotten a lot of, uh, a lot of good information out of it, I'd like to use some analogies that, that pertain to younger people and older people. So I know for them, Pushing Past No may look like trying out for a sports team and not making it and then having to go home and work out twice as hard to come back the next year and make a team. Or a more serious example is somebody who has a terminal illness that has to push through to become that one in a hundred thousand that survives and defies the odds. So pushing past no shows up in a variety of ways. So I would love to hear you tell us your story and how you have pushed past no in your life. Well, Pushing past, no, uh, there are so many um, instances, I guess, different parts of my life where I've had to push past, no, whether it was in my um, former career, in my business. And I think the most recognized one for me in the mo- and even in this moment is uh, my fertility issues. That has been a really, a really life altering experience for me. Mm-hmm. And being able to just see my, I guess, the strength and resilience that I didn't know that I had and being able to uh, push past, push past no with uh, fertility issues. Well, I really appreciate you sharing that because that's a very it, it can be a very sensitive topic. And I know others have dealt with infertility and everybody's journey and experience is a little bit different. Uh, some people deal with it for, you know, months or a couple of years, and some people deal with it for a lifetime. But I do think that 
when we share our stories, we give other people with similar challenges hope and they can also borrow some of our courage uh, when they need it the most. So if you wouldn't mind telling us a little bit more about your experience with infertility and what you had to do to push past no. Well, first I'll start with sharing my story was very a selfish thing for myself, <laughs> for, for me, because being able to share my story helped <laughs> me heal. Keeping it to myself just built all kinds of emotion um, in me and it sat with me daily. So being able to share it with others, that in itself helped me mm-hmm. push past. And now one of the, my fertility story is so long and I'm still going through it, even though I've had my daughter. I think it started in 2014 when uh, my husband and I decided, you know, we're ready to have a baby. Um, let's start focusing on more of my health. So I started working out, um, doing all of the things that I felt were the right things to do to prepare my body and mm-hmm. um, finances, everything for this, this new baby. And shortly after um, we found out we were pregnant and then very shortly after that, we found out um, that our mm-hmm. first pregnancy was an ectopic. That was very hard for me. I felt like there was something wrong with me, um, something wrong with my body, and that I had done something to myself, and I didn't know what I had done. And I just I poured it all on me, like it was, everything was my fault. Um, but after sitting down, talking with my doctor, researching, reading and understanding that it's just something Mm. that we just don't know the answers to. We did find out that I had endometriosis stage three um, and it really took a toll on my tubes. I never had any issues. A lot of women suffer a lot of pain with endometriosis, um, but I guess I am that fortunate one that did not suffer um, besides the fact that my Tubes were completely destroyed from the endometriosis. So um, we had to remove one tube. Um, we could not, the um, embryo would not, I don't even know if it was the embryo, it was the uh. egg um, would not push through um, and it was stuck. And it was, oh, wow. um, I was hospitalized. It, it was, it was a lot, very trauma, very traumatizing experience. We, Pushed past that, had surgery, pushed past that. Doctor said, come on, let's try again, try it again. Same exact thing happened in the other tube. And we, he went in just to check, try to save that tube. That was a goal um, of the surgery was to try to clean everything up and save the tube. But it just wasn't, um, uh, once, once he went in, he didn't feel that we should. So we immediately after that started fertility treatment. Um, in vitro and in vitro fertilization is basically injecting medications to uh, work on your ovaries to build your eggs. They remove your eggs, connect okay. them with my husband's sperm, and then they insert it back into my uterus. Um, and our first try was successful. Um, and we had my daughter and it was just the most wonderful <laughs> experience in my life. It was the most wonderful experience in my life. In that process, we did have two other embryos that we froze because we knew we wanted to have other children. And after after having my daughter, I thought it was going to be easy. Oh, I'll have her, then I'll have another baby. And <laughs> <laughs> having, a, having a baby is, is, for me, was not like 
you know, you have a baby, you just jump right back in. It really took me a minute to get back to, and I, I won't even say get back to or get to a new yes. normal. So as I got into a new normal and I started feeling better about myself and more confident in myself, um, also I had low iron um, after having her and it really took a toll on my energy. So once we, once um, myself and my doctor and we got everything under control with my iron and um, I started to just get into that new normal, um, we tried again. And I think I was sort of just thinking it would be so easy because it felt so easy with Chloe. And um, in 2019, we had a miscarriage and that hospitalized me twice. Um, That was really hard because I had to stay away from Chloe, which I had never been away from her. And it was just an emotional toll. But I bounced back quickly because I knew I had another embryo. So I said, well, you know, we have another and the Lord blessed us with this baby where, you know, and, and it's, it's all a part of the process. So here we come 2020. We had already been um, started the process of um, taking medication to prepare me for another transfer mm. and then a pandemic hit. And so the struggle was, do we try with the pandemic? What does it look like to be pregnant in a pandemic, being hospitalized, giving birth? Um, what are the side effects if I was to contract the virus? So it was all kinds of things. And yeah. um, I spoke to so many um, doctors and specialists and really no one had answers. Nobody has answers. Mm-hmm. So it'll be years of research before um, we really know what the effects of on a child or on a pregnant woman. You know, it'll be years before we really yeah. find out any research on that. So I stepped out on faith and we went ahead and we started the process again. And um, unfortunately, that ended in a miscarriage as well. Oh, I'm so sorry, Lisa. Yeah. So that one, that was in April. And that really took a huge toll on me. Um, You've been stuck in the house. You know, we're in quarantine. You're not able to be around people. Um, I really didn't want to talk about it. I bottled a lot of stuff in. um, Uh And I really was stuck for a very long time. Um, one, because that was our last embryo. I'm now 40, turn, I'm 41 now. Um, at, 40, at that time I was 40 years old and I'm like, what do I do? Um, my fertility clinic called, okay, this is, this is the program. This is the plan. And then a month later I said, well, I'm going to take the summer to heal. Um, so we don't know what's going on with the pandemic. I don't think I want to start a whole new cycle right now. Um, I, in my mind, I thought we would, be past this <laughs> and yeah. um and as the as the time came that I wanted to start my clinic shut down and so here we are now trying to start this process all over again um finding a new clinic to um call home because it really is a place that you have it's like a family it has you have to feel that connection mm-hmm. um with that um with that doctor with the staff and everything so now we're, it's a new normal because now we're doing um, virtual meetings. So you don't get that face to face. You don't get all of that yeah. um, interaction that you had before. And you have to find this whole new place that you're comfortable with online. <laughs> so it's just, it's just, um, it's a big process. And I think, I feel like all of those were no's. No, no, no. Mm-hmm. Every, it felt like every 
every part of this process has been a no. I had one yes, but I had multiple no's. And it was just staying faithful, staying prayed up, most definitely having my husband there to support me was the was the biggest one of the biggest parts of me being able to push past the nose and him really saying Lisa we have to this is where we have to be this is just giving me realistic suggestions and um, encouraging me and I, I oftentimes I have to realize that he's going through the same thing that mm-hmm. I'm going through but he has he he's really been my rock um, with through the the um, fertility issues but I guess those are those are really the nose and some of the the biggest things that have helped me to really stay sound is the support. Um, <laughs> so what I did, I didn't find um, my first time around with IVF. I didn't see a lot of me yeah. in those clinics. Yeah. So it was sort of like this: Where are the black women? Where does this does this happen to black women, or are they not talking about it, or what's going on? And I would join groups on Facebook and a lot of the worry and concern were not worries and concerns that I had. Yeah. Um, I didn't, I wasn't worried about my husband leaving me. I wasn't worried about my family thinking I was worthless. Like I had all of that support from them, but I needed somebody who really was going through it and, and sort of had a similar story to me. And I didn't find that, um, with other women, um, of other colors. And that, and, and that's just, I guess, just how it was for me. And so that's one of the reasons um, I suffered through everything mm-hmm. until I had Chloe. And once I had Chloe, I was comfortable sharing. I, if I look, looking back at that now, I would not have waited. I should not have waited mm-hmm. that long to share my story because I, it was very, those years were very hard. The three years were very hard before Chloe came along. But once I had her, I was able to share my story of success. And it drew other women to me. And I mean, I didn't know so many women were dealing with fertility issues. And um, so now I have um, created like a safe space for other women who we will go to lunch. We have long talks on the phone, whether it, it could be uh, text messages. I just have a group of women and we communicate with each other and we talk with each other. And we're actually being able, we're actually able to help support each other. Um, as we move along this process, because although I've had I had a child, I have Chloe and I'm happy. I'm still dealing with fertility yeah. issues. So I'm still in that space. So it was just um, being able to get that help and support. And some some for some, it's a professional help. And for some others, it's just that emotional support from other women who are going through similar issues. And I think for. A lot of women is just taking care of yourself physically mm-hmm. and mentally, keeping those things as, as positive and in line mm-hmm. as much as you can, um, especially during this pandemic, because this adds a whole nother element to it and trying to stay motivated and encouraged. So um, I lost my motivation. Um, I know for the short story, when we had when we were going through the process of having my daughter, we brought, uh, I went to like Walmart and brought a little onesie and we put it, hung it in our room, took a, a picture down and put that in the, in its place. And that was just a reminder mm-hmm. every day to stay motivated. And that was her first outfit that she wore. 
So I did the same for um, after her. I went and brought another little onesie, put it up. And after the first loss, I said, I'm not going to put it, take it down. You know, I'm going to keep it up. We're going to try again. And I, after that second loss, I took it yeah. down. Like I sort of lost my way. I lost, I lost all hope to just be able to move past it. And it, it took time. You have to give your body time. You have to give yourself time to heal. Your doctors will have you wanting to just push through. They're looking at your age. Yeah. They're looking at so many different things. Um, on their end, but you have to heal and, and be able to give it 100% because you can't go in doubting. You can't do it. It's just like when every relationship, you can't bring the baggage from one relationship to the next. You have to try to come in as clear and open as possible. So I had to get to that place. So it was just about a couple of weeks ago that I was able to pull that onesie out of a drawer and hang it back up. And really start to say, okay, we're going to do this. (laughs) We're going to get back into the game and try this, you know, try this again. That's, that's wonderful. You, you are amazing. Just say that the amount of resilience that you just shared in, in your journey is, is pretty amazing. And you've really talked about how you've kind of come full circle a couple of times. You know, you've you've been through this experience and I'm sure each time you went through it, it was different. And you've gotten to the place where you have been able to support other women. And I think one thing you touched on that was extremely important was that sometimes we go through these experiences. It can feel very isolating as a black woman if you don't see other people going through the experience. So I think it's wonderful that you decided to tell your story and share and how that opened up this the room for other women to come forward because mm-hmm. it, it can be very isolating and and we want to support each other and surround each other as sisters so i know you give lots of support to the women who are in your group so what words of encouragement would you give to another woman who may be listening to this show who's still hearing no in regards to her desire to be a mother. Just like I said before, getting the support, taking care of yourself. I'm just continuing that, taking care of yourself both physically and mentally mm-hmm. and staying positive, continuing to research, ask your doctors for the latest information. And when you gather information, do your own research. Mm-hmm. This is... Sometimes doctors may want to box us in. Um, one of the things that I didn't touch on was when I had my first ectopic, they give you a medication and um, that medication would dissolve the embryo. Um, it's a, a methotrexate, I believe, mm-hmm. is the medication they gave you and they um, inject it. And they, um, they injected me with the medication and you know, you were supposed to, the embryo is supposed to dissolve or do whatever the process is within about, um, I guess a month or so, your numbers, your levels would go all the way down to zero and they monitor you until then. But before we got to zero, um, it, it sort of leveled off and, um, I started having really bad pain. I passed out wow. at one point and every time I would go to the emergency room, 
I would be told, oh, you have, um, you're constipated. No, because it, it was hard to use the bathroom and just different things. It's something you're eating. No, I, this is like, I, everything has been normal until you injected me with right. this medication. And I believe something else is going on with my body. So I, the, the, what I would do is every time I would go to the emergency room, I would call ahead, call my doctor and let them know because it most of the pain would start after hours, I, like really late or just at a time when yeah. the office was closed. Um, and they would meet me. They would have staff and someone from that department would meet me at the emergency room and they would feel my stomach. Oh, this is just it's just constipation. Take some stool softeners and you'll be OK. OK. So I researched and I researched and I researched and I found online a woman who had a very similar experience as far as the pain um, that I was having. And she had internal bleeding and she passed out in a like a Dunkin Donuts bathroom. Um, wow. Very crazy. She didn't know she was pregnant. So the last time I went to the emergency room, I did not call my doctor. I went straight to the emergency room. I told the doctor, I said, look, you may think I'm crazy. You may not. If you don't want to do what I'm asking you to do, I'll leave. I said, but I'm having these pains. I said, I've gone online. And I found a woman who had similar issues to me. And this is what the, these are the tests that they ran <laughs> to see what was going on with her. I said, I need to see what's going on inside my body. He said, I don't need to read the story. It's your body. It's what you want. We'll take we'll do these tests. And so he, of course, he fine tuned and knew what tests I should take. And we took the test and that's what we found. Internal bleeding and the bleeding. He said it had stopped. So what the pain was, was just like dried up blood sitting on different parts of my body on the inside. And so that's where the pain was coming from. It was sitting. Um, so it was really hard for me to go through the bathroom because that's where the blood was dried up and sitting um, on that area. So I say I tell that story yeah. just to say, like, when someone tells you something and you know, that you know, your body and. You have to question people. And if that person doesn't give you the results that right. you want, you go somewhere else or you seek help somewhere else. You never settle um, when it comes to uh, your body. And, and we do that with all as we should do that with all aspects of our life. But um, definitely when it comes to your health, when it comes to your body, um, I didn't really know the research about how women, um, black women were treated with fertility. I didn't know about all of those things. Um, but I did experience some of that. I don't know if it had anything to do with my color um, or or what at that, you know, at that time in my in mm-hmm. my life, how I came off to them, how they thought, you know, what type of person they thought I was. I don't know. So I always I whenever I go to the doctor um, now, I go in ahead of time with questions. I never when they when anyone asks, do you have questions? I never say no. Because sometimes it's looked at as you don't really have, uh, you know, you really, does she really care? She doesn't, this is fertility. You know, you gotta have something. So anything, just ask questions. And, um, when they give you answers, research. And when you come back, if you don't understand something, just make sure you write things down, talk and ask questions and research. And when you come back, just get confirmation. Um, of everything. And if you don't feel like you're getting the help that you need to get, then you need to move on and go somewhere else. Um, that's the biggest advice that I can do is just to know your body, listen to yourself, that gut feeling mm-hmm. that you have, um, listen to it and, and move, 
move with that. That That's great advice. Uh, first of all, I'm so sorry that you had that experience. But unfortunately, it's not uncommon. And a lot of black women have that experience. And it is a result of unconscious bias in the healthcare system. I even mm-hmm. experienced that myself. I, I had a severe abdominal pain and I couldn't walk. I had to be sent to the emergency department in an ambulance. And I went by myself because my husband wasn't home. And I laid on a stretcher for it felt like forever. And people just kept walking past me and they were just looking at me like, who is that crazy black woman screaming? Will she just shut up? And they literally like walked over me on the floor because of whatever Mm. unconscious bias they had that I was drug seeking or whatever they thought. And that is great advice. So I always tell people you have to have an advocate. Um, that situation didn't get any better for me until my husband came and was able to advocate for me. And I'm so glad that you learned how to advocate mm-hmm. for yourself and you did your own research. But I think that that is great advice because we need to stop dying and we need to um, get the the treatment that we need. So I, I love that advice. Thank you for sharing. And that is another example of pushing past no, you know. The doctor may say, no, it's just constipation. The second doctor, you just have to keep pushing, like you said, until you know your body and and you have that gut feeling telling you that something's wrong. So that's a very powerful story. So we have talked about pushing past no um, a lot in regards to your family life and your personal life. But you're also a very successful businesswoman. And I know that there are many no's that you have to push through to build your business. So tell us a little bit about your business and how you had to push past knowing your professional life. Well, my business, I am a photographer. I photograph boudoir photography, branding and headshots and also weddings. I will say that I have been fortunate enough in my business to not have many no's that like are glaring or that I can really that are like at the top of my brain to really say, okay, this is, this is a situation. This is what happened. But that is the power in being an artist. You know, um, when you're an artist, you get to create your own lane. So if you feel or see nose, you just rechannel or just reorganize and people will be drawn to your art, your style. And you just really create your own lane. I, the, the only instance as I'm talking, um, the only instance that I do recall um, and is the result was me creating my own lane. I have a makeup artist that I work with. Um, I was shooting boudoir already, um, just really getting into the boudoir. And um, she was asked by a male photographer um, to he was having an event at his studio, beautiful studio in D.C. area. Um, he was bringing boudoir mm-hmm. to the black woman. That was the theme. And um, sh- they were going to have makeup artists, you know, donating their time to do the makeup. And then he was going to do shoots. And they, I mean, it was a beautiful event. They had all kinds of vendors there. So she invited me to go along. So we go to this event. And at some point in the day, he asked, were there any women who wanted to shoot? And it literally was just an open space <laughs> with hundreds of people watching you. And, but you still had your clothes on. You didn't, you didn't have lingerie on. You had your clothes on, but you, it has a bed set. And I was like, oh, this is really cool. I'm like, I want to try it. So women were either raising their hand or he was picking someone out. I'm like raising my hand and you know, he overlooked me. 
the entire time. And what I noticed, he was picking smaller, petite women. And here I am, this curvy girl, which I guess he would consider overweight. I am overweight. And it wasn't, what Mm. I'm assuming is it wasn't sex. And um, it was only one particular type of woman that he chose to photograph. And he probably Mm -hmm. worked with maybe three or four. And the funny thing, um, at the end of the night, the his wife came <laughs> and she looked very similar to me. I thought that was very strange. <laughs> but you know that right there, it made me feel. And I'm I'm a very confident person. I don't. Not a lot of stuff will um, push me down and knock me off my feet. But that sort of rocked me a little bit. And I said, you know what? I'm going to uh, make sure that in my photography, um, I shoot all women, all shapes and all sizes. And we, I, I did not see a lot of um, black women in um, mm-hmm. online when you would look for boudoir photography. You didn't see that. So that, um, I guess being a black woman myself, it was easy. It was, you know, black women were drawn to me. But when I started having women of all sizes, I just made sure that I, I shared examples of all women. And it really that's how my business grew. So I really created, I was able to create my own lane by looking at what was needed. And just because you may be overweight or you may be a curvier woman that you don't want to, um, doesn't mean that you don't want to be photographed. And then in some ways you don't want to be over-sexualized. So I created a lane where it was more of a sensual look. Um, it was a safe space for women to come in all we I worked with all women all female staff and um so it just really um I guess that is the pushing past no in my business um because I don't know I know I was not the first woman to feel that way just not really knowing how to photograph women who are um curvier and um it just it was it was a very it was eye opening for me in that ex- in that experience and it did help to mold and shape the type of the business that I have and the type of client which were that I would make sure that I wanted to have which were all women I don't photograph men for boudoir I don't do couple sessions Mm -hmm. Um, I do just strictly work with women so so yeah so that I think that right there is probably the biggest no that I pushed past but I even Mm -hmm. I guess I really suppressed that because I didn't even think about that at first but as I was speaking that most definitely was a push and pass no, but everything else, it was just creating as an artist, you get to create your own lane, um, your own look, your own style, you sell it and you will have clients who will love your style. You know, it's, there are tons of photographers out there. Um, and it's just finding your client that love your style, your energy, your personality, and you really work well together because it's really a give and take relationship. I've had instances where I've been speaking with clients over the phone. I just literally talked about this on Facebook the other day where I have clients I talk to on the phone, mm-hmm. potential clients, and I mm-hmm. already know that they're not a good client for me. <laughs> I could say, you know what? I don't think we're a good fit. So it is a, a give and take with that as well. Um, I love that story. That That is an awesome story because... You know, on this show, I talk a lot about taking uh, limiting beliefs 
and turn them into living your best life. And that is the perfect example because the, the, the limiting belief was that was his limiting belief that curvy women and, um, mm-hmm. women who are uh, more voluptuous are not the, the type or don't fit into the boudoir setting and just kind of, you know, of course you feel it. You feel the emotion of that, that rejection and that no, but then turning that into, okay, well, I know that that's not true. Let me create a lane where all women feel beautiful and where all women feel sensual and let me perfect my craft so that I can photograph these women um, and give them something that makes them feel good about themselves. And that's just absolutely amazing. Um, so I love that. We are going to take a short break and then we'll be right back with the interview. Welcome back to SOAR. So Lisa, since you have a toddler, the word no may be something that you say a lot and something that you hear a lot. There are some scholars that believe that we develop subconscious programming in childhood around the word no and that it can cause us to give more weight to negative feedback than we do to five yeses. Like it can be the same situation. You get one no and you get five yeses and you tend to focus on that one no. Have you ever experienced yourself giving more weight to a no than the many yeses as you've gone through your life or, or tried to achieve your goals? Um, I, most definitely, I use the word no a lot more <laughs> than I have ever in the past. Um, just no, 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 no. You know, you, you, I'm constantly um, trying to stop her from doing something. Mm-hmm. But you know what? Honestly, before before having my daughter, I try to avoid asking people for help on a lot of things to avoid the no. Mm-hmm. So my my whole thought was to avoid the potential of no, um, or I guess the rejection. Um, and that is something that I really had to learn that that is the dumbest thing Lisa, <laughs> that you can. <laughs> That you you have been living life, you know, trying to avoid rejection, um, and that's probably like really deep that I really probably need to focus in, like why why was I like that? But after having my daughter, there's no way I couldn't ask for help, and I mean it was um, unavoidable. Mm-hmm. Um, you cannot do you cannot do everything. So, and what I found is that if you ask, you nine times out of ten you're not going to get a lot of no's. You um, you're going to get a lot of yeses or maybes and and it's OK. It's OK if you get a no, uh-huh. um, because that no sometimes may have been necessary at that time. It may not have been time for you to move forward in anything, whether it's business, personal or, or whatever. But um, giving myself more weight. Yes. And the way I did it was to avoid it. Mm-hmm. Um, it was um, when I look back at it, it's very taxing. Um, it's a lot of things that I could avoid, a lot of errors that I could have avoided on my own by just asking. Um, and if that person said no, that that no doesn't mean no, never. Um, that no could just be in that moment or that no. And the reason why could give you the answers that you need to move to a yes in another direction. I think that is a great point. And and when you brought that up, it, it was like a little light bulb went out for me. Yeah, I think a lot of us 
just avoid the nose, you know, because deep down right. there's just this, there's something about not wanting to be rejected, not wanting to be told no. And so we'll take the, the long way around just to have to avoid the, the no. And, and I like how you said that life, life helped you to overcome that because you were placed in a situation of being a new mom with a baby where you just couldn't realistically do that anymore. You had to ask for the help and you had to, um, make yourself vulnerable to the no. And then you realize, well, you know, it's not that bad. And sometimes no is a good thing. So that that's a great, uh, a great way to look at it. I'm just going to go back to your photography for a moment, because I just think that your photography is so beautiful and you do it in such a body positive um, way that is super empowering. Did you ever experience, you know, judgment given that you were in the boudoir niche of photography with photographing women as central and sexy? And if so, how did you kind of push past that? You know, I never thought about that. When I first started boudoir photography, it never crossed my mind that I would have people really judge this, the style of photography that I um, was shooting. It wasn't until actually seeing my work that I realized like some people are just uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Some people are uncomfortable with um, displays of sexuality for women, especially. So I think I, um, did an event two it was two situations but one of the the one that stands out to me the most i've done an event i worked with a um in northern virginia with a woman um on her domestic violence campaign and we always talked about empowering women so she had an event um and she said i really need you to be there i want you to have your display i want it has this is empowering it empowers women um and she's like you, you know just we're just talking about how that one little, you know, being able to be in this room, being photographed in a sensual way can empower you in so many uh-huh. other areas of your life. And so I did this event and, you know, she allowed all of us, each of us there to really speak about our business. And there was another woman. It was a little bit of a language barrier. But what I got from what she was saying was that it's superficial. She did not understand why a woman would want to take their clothes off and be photographed and I mean, she said a lot, a lot of it. I couldn't understand what, but it was a total like put down of what I was. Doing. What nationality? Um, you know what? I don't know. I can't. Re- I can't okay. remember. Um, but it was we just really had um, a huge disagreement about it. And I, and it was OK. And I explained to her what you're what you feel is OK, because it's not for everybody. Mm-hmm. This is not the direction that. Every woman um, wants to go in um, or feels necessary to empower themselves. There's so many different areas. I've had women come with their friends to do a boudoir shoot and they become empowered and they haven't even done anything. Yeah. You know, it's just it's just the being able to see a woman running a business, mm-hmm. hiring staff that look that are women, um, just just this business being run and being successful in itself. And working with other women, I think, can be empowering all on its own. So it, it just it really depends on the woman and, and where she's comfortable. Um, I also had another incident um, or instance. I had like an information session about my business and I had other vendors like lingerie vendors, 
and I did I do boudoir parties. So uh, we would have uh, we had a baker who could uh, come, you know, create uh, cupcakes or cakes for your party. I had all kinds of vendors there and they were speaking to the crowd. And afterwards, um, I noticed that one of the ministers from my home church was at this event. And she pulled me to the side. She said, you know what? She's like, I came because I wanted to save you from this. Like she said, I really, I didn't know what was going on. This is not the least that grew up in the church and what was, I didn't, you know, just looking at everything on social media and how I looked at it was so different until I came and spoke. I mean, came and listened to your message and um, what you're saying about your business. And she said, this is very empowering. Mm -hmm. She's like, it, it just looking at the images on itself. I created this whole story in my mind, mm -hmm. but being able to really listen and see what your message is and what it's all about. Now I understand it's so much bigger than the, just the superficial thinking of how it, you know, how this looks to others. So it's so much deeper for so many women and for some women, it may not be, but that right there, um, I just didn't really think about others and how people would feel. Um, or be offended by the work. Um, but there are people who are offended and it's okay. It's mm -hmm. okay. And I understand that it's not for everyone, but, um, those two situations really help me to, um, know that what I'm doing is right for my clients. And, um, although I'm empowering others, it also empowered me, mm -hmm. um, to love myself in a way that I hadn't been able to. It gave me strength and confidence running a successful business, excuse me, a successful business and um, just being able to um, connect with so many women who some of the women we are, you know, they are business owners now be because of, you know, just seeing the um, being able to connect with myself and other business owners or just the empowering piece of the experience. I had one client. Um, I was shooting an event and I told her, I said, give me, you know, like, give me a sexy face and give me, I can't, I can't remember exactly what it was so many years ago. I said, give me the sexy pose. And she said, I don't know how to be sexy. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't, this was an event um, where it was like 10 minute sessions and you just come in and it was just um, a part of a package that these women had. So it wasn't a whole drawn out, lingerie you just were really in a room with me and we were just having fun and she said I don't know how to be sexy and she just broke down and started crying and she talked about just being beat down so bad in relationships and mm -hmm. just in life that she didn't she didn't feel sexy and so mm -hmm. we really sat down and we talked and we just touched on a, a lot of different things about her life and I always tell people it's so much deeper like it's so much through this photography. And so we really sat down, we talked and we got her to a point where she was comfortable taking the pictures. And to this day, she still uses those pictures. And I'm going to tell you, she had on jeans and a t-shirt. It wasn't <laughs> even, it wasn't even long right. away. It was, you know, just trying to just being sexy. Like she really did not believe it, but she came there on a mission to just try to heal herself in some way. And she may not have known how it was going to happen or or what she may have never wanted to come in the room. Her friends may have pushed her, but she got there, she did it, and she felt empowered after she left. Um, so you you never know how this superficial boudoir work <laughs> can mm 
can really empower empower women. Yeah, it is very empowering because that example, all of the examples were were amazing. But that example in particular, you know, a, a lot of times I think what I find very empowering about your photography. So when I went and I saw that your business was all women, that was empowering right then and there. And just how good you are at what you do was very empowering. But also, I think a lot of times women think about their sexuality in relationship to men. But our sexuality is our own. Whether there is a man or not that is, you know, viewing it, it, you know, our sexuality does not have to be related to the way a man views us. And so it makes sense to me that if she had been in abusive relationships and men had torn her down and, and told her that she wasn't all of these things that she could internalize that. And so the work that you did with her just by taking the pictures and having the conversation that healed a whole lot, you know, years and years probably of self-esteem that was being bruised. So that is that is very powerful and very touching because I'm all about healing women. And I love that we have all of these different ways we can do it. You know, we can do it through photography, mm-hmm. through coaching, through conversations, through support, through coming together. So so that that is wonderful. Oh, that um, uh, I have chills just listening to uh, to those examples. So as we're starting to wrap up our interview, I did want to ask these um, these last two questions. I know when we both when we spoke about this opportunity, you were really excited and you had a lot that you wanted to share. I just want to make sure if there was anything else that you wanted to share with our listeners um, that you have the opportunity to share that Um, now. I guess this may sound like a little cliche. and we talk about, I talked, I touched based on a lot of this, but I would say for pushing past no, um, especially as a black woman, um, being yourself is very important. Aligning yourself with positive influencers or and positive support system helps to go having that support and that push in a group of women who are like, go get it, go after it, you know. Um, we we have your back. Um, that that's very important. Um, staying true to your belief system, just staying true to your belief system, staying true to yourself. Um, and how I run my business, and I guess really my life is when one door closes, go to a, go toward another door, or just create your own. Just <laughs> create your own door and walk through it. I guess that's the advice that I really would give overall, just creating your own space um, and aligning yourself with those who have positive support. And, you know, I, often I say um, people who give you negatives um, or who state negative, give you negative feedback, sometimes is a good thing um, because it's good to know how other people feel and how other people mm-hmm. think. Um, because in your business, you can actually maybe alter or, or change some things to try to adjust to fit even more people in. Um, so knowing how um, it may negatively impact someone and trying to change that negative into a positive can help as well. 
So even though you're aligning yourself with like-minded women, positive women, getting that negative feedback is necessary as well. I call it constructive criticism and it can help build mm-hmm. your business um, or your personal life even more. So I think those are some of the uh, major things to help you or would have helped me push past. No. Yeah. Great. Now, we can't have a conversation talking about pushing past no without recognizing that there are some no's that you can't push past. Uh, some things are simply out of our control. And if we continue to push past them, we get frustrated and exhausted and it can literally be unhealthy. Like the saying goes, you got to know when to hold them and know when to fold them. So for you, how do you know when it's time to stop pushing? And what are some of the things that have been helpful if you can't push past a, past a no that have been helpful to get you to a place of acceptance in those instances? So for me, um, it goes back to the support, having that support system and being honest, truly honest with your support system on how you feel um, and where you are. And sometimes when a person is not in a situation, they can see bigger. They can see past that where you're stuck. That, that place where you're stuck, they can see mm-hmm. past that. So it's good to have that truthful person in your life who will say, look, time. Um, it may not be time to give up, but it, it's time to move in a different direction from where you are. Sometimes we're able to speak that to ourselves and sometimes we can't be that voice to ourselves. So having that person that you can be truly honest with, because sometimes we keep things, we keep that really honest, honest feeling about something to ourselves. Um, so a person really doesn't have mm-hmm. all the information. But if you have that person that you can share honestly with and they can and they are a person who doesn't, I guess what they say is like a yes man. They will um, tell you, hey, you know, right. we, we this is not working. We're going in. This, <laughs> we're doing the same thing over and over and over again. It's not working. Mm-hmm. So what I suggest is most definitely have that person. But you have to research. You have to do more, dig deeper into what it is that you're trying to get a yes for. Um, research and see if it's worth keeping it going. You know, in that situation, mm-hmm. is it is it something that you want to keep moving to, or do you need to move in another direction? And if you keep going, how does that look? What is that going to look like? Is that going to take you away from other important things in your life? Like you just have to realize, like you said, when to hold them, when to fold them. It's just is you are you pushing toward a goal? Um, is that going to cause other things in your life to suffer? And is it worth mm-hmm. that? Is it worth those right. other parts of your life suffering in order to push into a new goal? And it ends with just being realistic. That is really what I'm saying. It's really cut and dry. Um, but there's so much emotional. There are so many emotional components to that. But that really is yeah. that, to me for me. That really is what it is for me. And I'm speaking to myself about my next journey for fertility. With fertility, we have one more round of in vitro. This is it for us. Um, after this, it would be I mean, we could mm-hmm. continue, but it would be completely out of pocket um, financially. Is that something that we really want to put that energy into? Um, or should we now, you know, if it doesn't work out, should we focus on the child we have and moving into an, um, a new direction? Could it be adoption? Could it be just being happy <laughs> and, and moving past this fertility? Because it's been, I feel like I've been in this space for so long. 
been seven years now mm-hmm. and it really just really have to look at it like okay we're gonna move past it i've met with the doctor uh, we have new goals new ideas um, i really like the way he's put things in perspective and the plans and the steps and i think it's realistic i think it's realistic for me but after that if if it doesn't um give it give us the results that we are looking for where do we go from there? So we really have to, you have to look beyond mm-hmm. that point where you are and having that person um, to really be able to help push you to that space is very important. And for me, it's my husband um, with the fertility. It's, you know, mm-hmm. we really, we got to stay focused. We got to stay grounded. We do have to um, be in a space to be able to yeah. continue to live our lives in a healthy, healthy way. Uh, it was, it, with the last, it was really hard. And I still have my daughter um, that I have to be there for. So it was like, really like, okay, we gotta, we gotta get a plan and we gotta move forward. So, so I think yeah. that's really, yeah, that really is. That's it for that me. is some great advice. You, this, this topic, you knocked it out of the park. This, this is your topic. Uh, I think you could probably speak on this for a lot longer than what we have today. And I think you could probably speak in front of an auditorium full of people and we wouldn't hear a pin drop because you just have so much great information and great perspective to share. So I just want to thank you. I really appreciate that we got a chance to to have this conversation. And I would love for you to let my listeners know how they can reach you if they may be having struggles with infertility and they they want to reach out or if they want to get some of the beautiful photography services that you offer. What's your website and social media information? Uh, my website is uh, lisafleetphotography.com. Um, social media is the same, Lisa Fleet Photography for Instagram and also with um, Facebook. Um, you can always inbox me um, at any time. If it's if you're dealing with any fertility issues, going through my website is just fine. Um, my personal page on Facebook is just Lisa Fleet. I have so many different people. That's where I have a lot of um, people that I've met dealing with fertility issues. You can always um, befriend mm-hmm. me there and um, we can inbox and go from there and just talk, whether it's on the phone or um, text messages, whatever works for you. Um, before the pandemic, I like meeting up for breakfast or brunch or something, but <laughs> but now we are where we are. And um, so we, you know, we can communicate in any way. Um, as far as photography, um, the website is probably the best, um, the best way to reach Wonderful. Uh, thank you again, Lisa, and you take care. Have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your day. All right. You do the same. Thank you for listening to this episode of SOAR. If you'd like to reach me for coaching, you can reach me at www.stephaniebrowncoaching.com. And if you want to follow SOAR, you can follow Sisters Overcoming and Rising on Instagram or Stephanie Brown Coaching on Facebook. Goodbye for now.